Hello. 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 This is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Levitza. And um, we talk about politics and TV. We like trashy TV. We like left-wing politics. And that's what we talk about on the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. I'm Adam. <laughs> I'm Levitza. Okay. And today we're going to talk about the bold type. The brave trailblazing new feminist show. Yeah, this show caught my attention because it was, like, I felt like it was, like, really being actively targeted at me in terms of advertising, like, through, like, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and I kept seeing this, like, video of these girls, like, screaming at a train, Mm -hmm. and then, um, like, all this They were screaming the word feminism. Uh And then all this text would come on over that or like right after that image that was like bold courageous feminist you know like in quotes (laughs) and stuff like that it's like from like reviewers i guess saying that this show is like a new type of tv show for girls and women or whatever you know i know but like yeah well when i saw of course everything was like bright pink you know so when I saw this, I was like, uh, I can't imagine that this is actually going to be good. But no, I'll, if I'll you watch this show, you'll learn that you can like pink, be into fashion, right. and be a feminist. Right, right. That's what's so new about the show's <laughs> point of view. It's pretty sad how feminist is like um, an advertising Term tactic. Now. Yeah, yeah. That's something I really want to talk about because, um, well, should we first? really quickly just read this like summary of the show for yeah. people who don't know yeah we should talk about it you know in a way that we don't assume people yeah have seen it. yeah so uh according to imdb's little synopsis here the bold type is inspired by the life of cosmopolitan the magazine cosmopolitan editor-in-chief Co- joanna coles the show is a glimpse into the outrageous lives and loves of those responsible for a global women's magazine right there's it says magazine here, but yeah. Their struggles are about finding your identity, managing friendships, and getting your heart broken, all while wearing the perfect jeans to flatter any body type. That's, <laughs> oh that God. sounds feminist as fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, None of those things happen either. Yeah, nothing like inherently assuming that women need special jeans to mm-hmm. flatter their fucked up bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but they all come into it with an identity that they are very adamant about yeah. affecting, you know. They don't have any trouble with their friendship. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay, so there's three main characters here, right? We have um, Jane, who right. is... plain Jane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's, like, supposed to be, I think, our, like, vehicle into this world. She's, like, very innocent... A little uptight. Yeah. Um, but she's supposed to be like the every girl. And then... She wants to be a writer. Well, she is already like a, a writer for the magazine. No, she's like starting In the first officially. Yeah. yeah. Then we have Sutton, which is just the whitest name I've ever heard. But she's supposed to be working class. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Um, this is a name you only see in boarding school. Yeah. Uh... And I guess she's just like trying. She, I guess, her big 
storyline is that she's like wants to be in fashion but she has student loan debt so she's like struggling on deciding whether to take a more practical approach to like making money or whether to try to stay in fashion first she has to fight for the job in fashion in the fashion department which she is quickly offered but then she's like you guys don't understand i have student loans i need money i worked my way through high school yeah, which, I mean, I appreciate that they're, they have some effort to show, like, a working-class person mm-hmm. or some acknowledgement of the idea of student loan debt. But at the same time, these girls, like, are living in... Manhattan. Pr- yeah, in, like, pretty large Manhattan apartments. Yeah. And it seems... I mean, I guess they say, like, that this third girl, cat has, like, kind of rich-ass parents mm-hmm. who are, like, therapists. Yeah. But in general, like, it, it seems rather unfeasible already that, that mm-hmm. these girls would be able and to the afford these. the answer to Sutton's problems anyway are just do what the other girls are doing, which is pursue your dreams. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it'll work out. Work hard. Yeah. And don't give up on your dreams. Yeah, there's absolutely no hint of reality where it's like, well, it, you just have to take that job that pays more even though it's shitty because yeah. you've got to deal with it doesn't matter that she has different world. circumstances. That's just yeah, that's a reason just for something... her to have feelings. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it's just like the flavor of her character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have Kat, who, of course, is sassy. I mean, like a cat. Like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like kind of more, I guess, edgy or sharp or whatever. And she's black, of course. Mm-hmm. The sassy, sassy girl yeah. has to be black, I guess. And she, she's also more confident, which exactly. is all, all black people. Yes, yeah, of course. Uh, she, okay, what, sorry, you finish. Well, no, well I was going to say, we can say a few good things about this show. Yeah. Like, we actually like most of the casting. Like, the girl who plays Kat is really good. Yeah. She was in Sweet Vicious. Yeah. And she's, she's better here. Her character in Sweet Vicious was a bit like... Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Plot device Yeah. Um, also, the girl who plays Sutton, I think, does really well. Yeah, I was surprised by that. At first, I thought she was going to be sort of the more ditzy, airheaded one, mm-hmm. but she actually is, seems pretty grounded, which I appreciate. I do appreciate that there is no ditzy blonde at all, because usually, even when there's like a group of three female characters who are supposed to be at the center of a story, at least one friend is like a ditzy, dumb friend who's like generally has like big boobs and it like does well with the guys but her right. friends are always like oh, you're so silly you know yeah they don't even have a side character like that yeah That's so nice. i really appreciate that that is not in this show mm-hmm. um and i mean they do manage to keep the friendship at the center of the show even though like based on the first episode and episodes we've seen since jane does still seem to be the main character of the show or the one we're supposed to identify with the most because a lot of the storylines specifically revolve around her and her experiences or her story is clearly like the The A story story. yeah Yeah. um but regardless of that like they really do keep this friendship at the center and I do appreciate the idea that uh this their friendship is as important to them as any of Mm -hmm. the drama with work or um yeah. men that's probably actually like the most radical thing about this show is that it actually seems to value their personal friendships yeah, female equally friendships. to work because in america like if there's one thing that we love making tv shows about it's work and workplaces Which and this is like, i know but it but usually the relationships that are centered in those shows are like between like 
it's like a work family basically right mm-hmm. so you have like the boss who's like dad and then there's like a secretary who's mom yeah but this, and there's a like a love interest this and, friendship exists outside of yeah yeah that it, framework exactly and i think that that is like probably the most like i said radical thing about this show mm-hmm. because that that's pretty rare to see in yeah. a tv show it's also pretty enjoyable to watch it well at least for me because it hits kind of a sweet spot where it's not prestige it's not like good enough or dramatic it's enough or well-made enough to be prestige fairly soapy yeah which i prefer yeah if they tried to make this show more serious than it is in like tone and character and style it'd be um, a disaster yeah well the episodes where they do try to handle more heavy issues like they try to deal with online twitter harassment and basically like gamergate in one episode yeah (laughs) and that was like not great yeah you know it was okay i guess but did that plot kind of fizzle out too now that i think about it yeah like cat got threats online yeah and And then like the episode ended a little while later and it was fine (laughs) yeah i don't really remember it ultimately coming to a head yeah no there's also an episode that we just watched that i think Uh, came out I guess like probably this week as far as the podcast is concerned um, that uh, tried to deal with breast cancer and breast cancer testing and that was like that another place where it sort of fell flat because it Mm -hmm. made like a really big deal out of the fact that Jane was doing an interview with a doctor who was advocating for women in their 20s to get tested for the Bicker gene like the gene that tells you whether you have a propensity towards breast cancer right yeah and she was like, "No, she, yeah, she was this like, is too soon." Yeah, and I was like, "What to get tested?" Yeah. Like, I almost thought for a second, "Do I not understand how the yeah. testing works?" But I looked it up, even though I knew that that's what it was, and it's just a blood sample. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at your DNA. Like, and then that's what they did at the end. They, yeah, they took her blood. But and... that's what I'm saying. Like, why were they so to say know. if this doctor was advocating that all women with the gene must get a double mastectomy? Yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, that that's a little intense, especially at age like 20 or whatever." Right? Yeah. That's maybe a little too young some people make that mm-hmm. choice i totally get that but and jane was like this doctor is irresponsible yeah because she was she advocating that women get a test yeah yeah it's it it like this doesn't make sense either just go all the way and talk about double mastectomies or don't but with yeah. testing like and so, the, the politics of that episode was really shallow yeah it was all about raising awareness for breast cancer yeah just like my god well, everybody has awareness of breast cancer I know. at this point. And I think there's been more than one article written by now that maybe yeah. they could have read about how fucked up it is that, that there's like this uh, sexualization that goes along with breast cancer. And there's like campaigns like I love my tatas or some yeah. shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love boobs. I love boobies. And then it's like pro right. breast cancer awareness. And that's basically what they were doing in this episode. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's problematic obviously because sometimes you have to get a mastectomy exactly so why would you like center it on like how beautiful and wonderful breasts are right Mm -hmm. like so um i thought it was like really crazy that a tv show that's trying to be feminist and political just felt again so flat on its face that's what like you were saying like you don't want it to get much heavier and i agree because every time it tries to it like really really fails Plus, like, the so the, if there were a reason not to get this test, 
it would be like, well, maybe it costs a lot of money, you know? Yes. Okay. Maybe that's the maybe problem with advocating this it. test for everybody. So that's this is a small example of their politics. Well, we can just kind of start to talk about yeah. it more, I think, because really this is where all of my issues with this show come in. Mm-hmm. Well, we were thinking like, is that the problem? Like, you know, that's the only problem we can think of. Why not to get a test? But oh, they yeah. very offhandedly quickly mention, Jane, we have health insurance. You can get the test. Yeah. So it's like not an issue. Yeah. That comes up again in the episode. Yeah, which is funny because, like, even when you have health insurance, certain things are still expensive regardless. True. And, like, especially if you're trying to deal with, like, student loan debt and, you know, you're, you don't want to incur extra costs, like, that maybe you're unable mm-hmm. to deal with. So maybe, and also, like, right now, like, they have, like, like a perfect opportunity. Like, people are talking about healthcare a right lot now, right yeah. now, you know? Mm-hmm. And the assumption I felt like you could almost imagine in the, like, I don't know, writer's room or wherever mm-hmm. they were pitching this show, like, or this episode, that they were like, you know what's sexy? Breasts. You know what's, like, a sexy topic that uh, affects lots of girls and women? Breast cancer. You know what's not sexy? Insurance. We are not going to talk about insurance. Insurance <laughs> yeah. is boring. Girls are going to get bored with insurance, <laughs> which is funny because this show supposedly thinks, like, girls are mm-hmm. smart and beautiful in the center of this earth, but they don't think girls are actually smart enough or will be interested enough to deal with the intricacies of, or, or just the, some basic considerations about mm-hmm. healthcare. Yeah. And it's like, no, that really affects women. That really affects the outcomes of, like, who can, who can ultimately, like, detect breast cancer early enough to deal with it. And that's kind of, like, not the only time that happens in the show. So, like, in the first episode... I forget, Jane is, like, stressed out about something, and then, like, she's, like, Snapchatting Sutton, and then Sutton Mm -hmm. Snapchats her back an image of Elizabeth Warren with, like, hashtag she persisted or something like that. It's like, oh, brother, like, it's just a lot of performative signaling that's like, hey, we're woke, you know? Yeah. Hey, this show also knows about women in politics, you know? Like, what Jane was upset about was, like, uh some writing an article about something well it was like yeah it was about writing an article about uh being asked to figure out how to stalk her (laughs) ex-boyfriend who's not on social media right yeah and it's like you don't need to persist through that that's like a fucking crime what are you doing (laughs) like yeah that's a bad idea (laughs) elizabeth warren was like fighting for you know, political things that matter to the country. You're writing an article about how to stalk people that aren't online. Yeah, it's like, what you're doing is fucking terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing positive or empowering about stalk, physically, especially in the real world, stalking your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. If you didn't see the episode, it was like, it was like her first day on the job and she was pitching pieces to write to, you know, their boss. What's the boss's name? Justine? Oh, fuck, I forget. Justine? No, no, it's not Justine. Yeah. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Same thing. Okay. And, uh, no, one's, uh, one's trashier, obviously. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, she was pitching pieces, and, uh, she just mentioned, like, I don't know, the boss was like, social media, am I right? <laughs> and Jane was like, oh, if my ex-boyfriend isn't on social media, so... Blah, blah, blah. And, and her boss was like, that's weird for people of your generation, right? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, 
I know that it is in, like, the world of TV writers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was telling you, like, most of our, like, guy friends that, like, we went to college with, even guys I went to, like, high school with, are, like, not, even if they have a Facebook, which many of them don't, are not using it, Mm -hmm. you know? They're not on Snapchat. They're not on Instagram. Like, of course, some people are, but it's, it's not that weird. Yeah. But they had to give him the excuse that, like, they couldn't just be, like, even, like, oh, well, he's eccentric. They're, like, oh, he really messed up, like, yeah, a, with on an Instagram. Instagram and lost his job. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, like, did he post, like, a racist meme of Obama? Like, what the yeah. fuck did he do? Like, <laughs> you know, you have to be, like, a pretty conservative shithead <laughs> to post something online. And lose that, job, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her boyfriend is actually a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot more people our age are not on social media because they're concerned about like surveillance than because they are were social media editors that made a wrong move. And or, and, or uh, are concerned about basically having their information commodified. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's what I meant by surveillance, not just oh, state, but yeah. also corporate. Yeah, but and so then the boss is like, "Oh, that's interesting. You're right about that. How do you stalk your ex-boyfriend when he's not on yeah. social media?" And Jane's like, oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, and then they, like, drive and sit, like, and in front of not once are they like, maybe we shouldn't stalk somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I, another example, quick example of really bad politics in this first episode. Um, so, like, the storyline is Jane emailed a bunch of pitches to the boss. Mm-hmm. And the boss, we'll just call her the boss. We know her name now, but I yeah. like calling her the boss. There's this big reveal of the actress like up till now you've only seen her stilettos through a window up on her desk yeah right? Red and you've seen her hand stilettos, yeah. yeah and you've seen her hands texting while she walks in her stilettos uh-huh. and then she's walking into the boardroom meeting and it's the this big reveal of her and she's smirking and mm-hmm. they dressed her up like anna wintour in a way that looks really bad yeah well yeah i mean they just really fall flat in every part of that yeah but what's the we can talk about the fashion but you want to also this actress is like politics, this actress right? is like tall and yeah. commands a room but i feel like part of anna wintour's thing is that she is like little Tiny. and mean yeah but this boss is like tall and like earth mother yeah. anyway um yeah so then so as so there's a double reveal where the boss is walking into the boardroom and at the same moment um we just saw her texting on her phone and jane opens up her picks up her phone which mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't do at a meeting when your boss walks in the room <laughs> and sees an email from the boss that says, subject line, your pitches. The body of the email is like, I didn't like any of them. Try again. <laughs> and uh, meet me in my office later. Yeah. So then she comes into the office later with new pitch ideas. And her idea is, I want to talk about the glass, breaking the glass ceiling and how it's different for women today than it used to be. Yeah. To break the glass ceiling. Yeah. I want to update the idea of breaking the glass ceiling. Yeah. It's like that. What needs updated is like the idea that feminism is just for women at the highest levels of corporate offices. Yeah. Or let feminism is careerism for women. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's what needs updated. Yeah. Breaking the glass ceiling really hasn't changed. There aren't that many women CEOs. Yeah. You know. And um, also the idea that just having representation at the top, having diversity at the top, would somehow be more important than, you know, changing the material conditions of women's yeah. lives through policies. Yeah. Like, really absurd. <laughs> they're getting a lot of credit for feminism with this show, but they're really, like, stuck in the 80s, right? Like, another subplot of this episode is that Kat meets this Arab 
Muslim, lesbian. Yeah, we can't be more artist. specific than that because she's yeah. just from quote the <laughs> Middle East. East yeah. <laughs> like, and she wears a turban, not a yeah. headscarf, but like a turban. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't really know what they were thinking there. I think too. There's a part where she get, like gets on the phone and talks in her native tongue, but she's just making up syllables. It sounds like. <laughs> I um, mean. And it's so funny because her art is just, she takes those portraits of women holding up signs that like say a word about them. Yeah, it's just like hashtag misunderstood, hashtag free woman, you know, like, but I'm wearing a burqa, ooh, you know. And she's like taking the art world by storm and, you know, she's possibly getting thrown in jail for her radical art. Yeah. 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 Um, But part of the theme of this episode is that of course this arab muslim woman doesn't understand that in america you can be into fashion and you can be into girly stuff and still be a feminist yeah yeah so actually like she when cat is um trying to convince her that she should like Oh, allow yeah. them to run the photos. She she didn't. She decided she didn't want to be in the magazine. Are you going to let me talk in right? this episode about women? Well, you're going to say she decided she was going to be in the magazine, and okay. she decided not to be because like this isn't feminism. Yes, Cosmo, Scarlet, okay. whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, so <laughs> she so Kat is like. Um, I'm a feminist. I'm political. And so is this magazine. <laughs> and I just love every aspect of that. That's because, pretty much a direct quote. Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote it down. Because <laughs> um, that, like, encapsulates, like, kind of all of my problems with this show, which is that, like, it wants to have it both ways. Like, it wants to announce, like, we're a new type of show for young girls and women, right? Like, we're feminists. Like, we're an updated version of even, like, you know, because, like, in the early 2000s, there were, like, a, a number of rom-coms, basically, uh, obviously geared towards women, that had the main protagonist being, like, a magazine writer or whatever. Obviously, like, 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, also, like, Sex in the City, Carrie writes ultimately for Vogue is, like, her big thing. You know, that's where she gets to in the end. And so the idea is, like, this is, like, following in those steps. But it's woke now, right? So it's, well, I mean, it, it is. Yeah, I'm shrugging because, like, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I'm positive that that's the tradition they're trying to, like, follow in here. And, um... They So they kind of want to have it, like, both ways, where they're like, I'm a feminist, I'm political. But then, you know, it has to be, like, a show that will sell ads, right, in order to exist. So they can't actually take, like, a stand on anything. And, like, so they just say, like, they just have it that vague. I'm feminist, I'm political. Well, what does it mean that you're a feminist? Like, I tell you all the time, I literally don't know what someone means when they say mm-hmm. I'm a feminist. Like, I'm I'm a Marxist feminist. Yeah. I know exactly what I mean when I say I'm a Marxist feminist. I can tell you that, you know, that has in big part to do with the idea that without overthrowing capitalism, women and men will never be free, will never be equal yeah. because we have gendered roles in our society that are in no small part determined by property relations and labor roles, right? So I know exactly what I mean when I say that. But when someone just tells me that they're a feminist, I don't know what that means. There are those turf women, right, who are consider themselves feminists, but they think that it's like 
wrong that transgender women are considered women. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't. I don't even know why. It doesn't matter really. They're crazy people. But because my, they they think this isn't this isn't a woman. Yeah. You know, feminism is for women. Trans people are are not. But feminism is not for women. Feminism is for all people yeah. oppressed by patriarchy, which is all people. Mm-hmm. Patriarchy is not men. Feminism is not women. That's right. so stupid. But anyway, whatever. There's like women, there's like radical lesbians who believed, I don't know if they still exist, but I learned about them in college, right? Right. Who believed that every type of penetration is rape. Mm -hmm. Okay. I am a feminist. I don't agree with that. Because they were so immersed in the idea of like the symbolic and the meaningfulness of symbolism. Yeah. That they just saw sex as inherently rape because it's penetration. Yeah. Instead of seeing like, well, this is a patriarchal idea that you don't want your body to be penetrated. That's why why That's, symbolically we can interpret it right. as rape, rape because we live in a symbolic order defined by the male point of view. Yeah, like, and all you have to do is look at like why people were fucking homophobic back in the day. Like They were terrified of the idea that men would actively want to be penetrated, yeah. right? Like, I mean, obviously homophobia stems from yeah. misogyny in no small way. Yeah. And these ideas of penetration, who penetrates, who wants to be penetrated. Th- actually, that's such a great symbol of, you know, where, like, this early sort of feminism lost... Its way. Know, its way, yeah. yeah. And they call this publishing company Steinem. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're completely wedded to those early notions of feminism. Yeah, like second wave feminism. Fem, uh, if if you say so, but I mean the feminism of like Gloria Steinem and, yeah. and um, who wrote the Feminine Mystique, Betty Friedan. Yeah, of like entering men's spaces yes. as feminist. Yeah. You know, doing what men do as feminist. Yeah. yeah, they're like stuck in that still. Yeah, more or less, but mostly more. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a magazine that's based on Cosmo, but I can like, and it's all like. I can assure you they're never going to have an episode about Jane pegging someone, right? Right, like, right. The second episode was about how she had never had an orgasm. Yes. And they clearly think of orgasms as radically feminist, you know? Yes. Which, you can make that argument, I guess, but... I mean, it's listen, like, enjoying sex is great. Like, I yeah. guess it's feminist. It's also just, like, human. But yeah. <laughs> whatever. Like, um, to characterize their, like, character of feminism... Um, when the boss appears in that first scene we were describing, she, like the end of her first little, you know, paragraph, her first like lines of dialogue, she's like, okay, let's, you know, I'm, well, she's like, I'm so excited to be here in this room full of diverse people of different races and ages. And she doesn't say class because they're all, because <laughs> yeah. they're not Marxist feminists. Yeah. And, uh, like, let's talk about issues that matter to women today. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the scene, the last thing she says it is like, and we have 27 sexual positions that are sure to make you go like, yeehaw. Yeehaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they know that they're not, I'm not saying like, look how ignorant they are. They don't know what they're doing. No, they know they're what definitely they're doing. doing it tongue in cheek a little bit, right? Not even, I wouldn't even say they're doing it tongue in cheek. They're just... Off, they're just like honestly saying that like women enjoying sex is feminist yeah and it's not not feminist yeah but like that's the extent of their feminism it's also like the most uh like commodifiable yeah. aspect of feminism right it falls right in line with like being sexy sexual women embracing sexiness mm-hmm. is not radical and like you're not overturning anyone's ideas of what 
women or femininity, you know, are. Like, capitalism has been portraying women as sexy. It's just that now we're saying, like, women are in charge of that sexiness. And before it was, like, more demure. Like, they weren't aware that they were sexy. You know what I mean? Like, that was more desirable back right, in the day. Right, right, right. And now it's more like we're saying, no, it's desirable, like, to have a woman who's you know, into her sexuality, which I think is healthier for women, obviously, like, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like, at the end of the day, are you able to convince both of those women that they need to, like, buy your product in order to look sexy? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you are. And you don't even have to change the marketing very much, you know? And what's really feminist is not just, you know, taking agency in your sexual life, which is definitely feminist, but also you know, taking agency in a way that you can say, like, I don't want to have sex until I'm married, if that's what you want. Right. Or, you know, to say, like, it's feminist of me to wear a headscarf because that's what I want to do. Um, and this show tries to have it both ways a little bit because, like, they, okay, they have this Muslim artist. She wears a headscarf, but she's also, like, a lesbian and she likes dildos, yeah. you know? And she takes the headscarf off a lot. But. Yeah, actually, this show is very third wave because third wave is the type of feminism where it's like just by like being me, being a woman and doing what yes. I want to do, I am being feminist. Right. right. I don't have to specifically go into politics or whatever in order to um, like break boundaries. Right. Like me excelling in my chosen field is feminism because I'm a woman. Yeah. You know, and I do think that's sort of like really empty (laughs) because i mean i think it's like fine and good for women to do that and you know definitely go for it but and i don't think like women need to just only obviously go into like politics or anything like that but just in the sense that like that is the type of feminism that also you know like lean in feminism is built on right like the idea that like oh if you just work until the minute you're about to like have your child and never take a break and then immediately come back into the workforce after that because you know this is you being the most woman the most the most i guess human self you can be is by doing work basically yeah yeah you know sure and that's the part that you know for me is like really empty because i think like that is not i don't know that's not a feminism that works for me like i think like my humanity comes from my well-rounded life of like relationships and interests and creativity and you know just just doing well in a career is not really for me the the best way to be a woman i guess yeah what else you got i could go into this book a little bit well i just wanted to get back to that point a little bit that you know i'm a feminist i'm political that's kind of where we diverge from a little bit but just saying that like this that's like why this show is like destined to be bad because it can't give a political point of view because it needs to keep you know broad appeal in order to get as many advertising dollars as possible so they're never gonna like be able to like you know set out specific like, none of their characters are ever going to be able to have specific political views. None of their characters are ever going to be anything other than this vague lean-in feminism that is really mostly about advancing your career and, I guess, maybe having sex or whatever, you know? Talking about working hard, they always show these three characters, like, 
the last ones in the office, like them and their boss. Yeah, and like Which their idea weird. of winding down is like hanging out in the like closet yeah. at work that's like their fashion closet or whatever. Which they definitely like directly took from mm-hmm. Sex in the City, but um, it's just like in Sex in the City, she was like a freelance writer who was like so pumped to have access to this closet when she started to work for Vogue, but it was something where she flitted in and out of the office, which (laughs) to me actually seems so much better than Mm -hmm. being at work all the time. And then once you're, you know, once you're done at the end of the day, not leaving work to instead go hang out just in a different part of the office. I guess we've given up on the idea that like technology and, you know, creative work like having a creative profession will give you freedom of movement or freedom of lifestyle yeah so you were talking about the feminism of the show being individualistic yeah they literally like um when she is trying to get that muslim girl like to Mm -hmm. whatever run her photos in the magazine she says like that when Jacqueline came over or took over the magazine she changed the direction and now it's not about pleasing men or looking good for men. It's about, like, pleasing yourself and, like, looking good for yourself. And it's self-feminism. Oh, she did say self-feminism. Yeah. 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 Which is not a thing. No. <laughs> um, That's it's why funny they literally have to, like, make up a, an idea, like, a, yeah, a feminism yeah. for the show because they yeah. can't commit to something that's, like, radical, you know? <laughs> it's funny, too, that her defense is, like, well, in, she came in, and instead of making it, like, how to do sexual things in bed to make your man feel good, mm-hmm. now we're going to talk about how to have sex that makes you feel good. Yeah. And instead of dressing for a man to make him feel good, you're going to dress for yourself to make yourself feel good. Yeah. It's, like, the exact same thing. Yeah. Especially, like, you know, let's be real, like, in bed, it's not about pleasing yourself. It's about pleasing both That's of you. That's what I was like, going to say. Like, yeah. if you're having sex, like... This idea of like, well, it's either going to please him or me. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, you should be doing things you enjoy together. Yeah, like, of course, sometimes the focus is more on one partner than the other. But ultimately, the things you do in bed should be, right, pleasurable yeah. to both parties. Otherwise, why the fuck are you doing that? And it's not much different for fashion. Like, yeah. you can't dress just for yourself as if no one else is going to see you because you wouldn't know how to see yourself unless you could see yourself through other people. Usually, too, like, when you're, like, the things you decide to wear, you are sort of communicating a version of yourself mm-hmm. that, like, like, the way you would like to be seen, yeah. right? Like, when you wear like a blazer or whatever you want to be seen as let's say like a professional because blazers connote a very specific idea Mm -hmm. versus when you're wearing like a skater like a flared out kind of dress that is like very girlish right like Mm -hmm. that's a different version of yourself you're trying to portray so like clothes have like pretty clear connotations i mean you could talk to like any Stylist. Obviously, the stylist out. for this show thinks about those things. Like, yeah, they well, do a we, lot. The, we have it's to talk bad. about the fashion on this yeah. show. But they do a lot of, you know, predictably trying to blend the business with the more feminine. Yeah. Like, Kat had that terrible, like, men's dress shirt that just came up in an arc above her belly button so you could <laughs> see the midriff. Yeah. But it's like, a, like, I'm a business professional, but B, like, a cool one. Yeah, like it's like I one. took a men's shirt and I turned it into a flirty feminine thing, yeah. you know? But all of this, the fashion on the show just looks like it comes from one of those terrible, like, 
Chinese like fashion websites where like mm -hmm. it's like the clothes look good online, but yeah. when you order them, they're all like synthetic and they fit weird, and it's like what the fuck was this? Yeah, and the add-on sort of like that's ropes what, and tassels that look that's good online. A note that I have here, but also we'll in general, well, maybe we can just talk about it real quick yeah. now because there's only a couple more things I want to say, cool. which is like that um, usually like when you think of like fashion and there's like trends and then there's like style right like so this show is like all in on trends like so they're doing you know cut out tops off cutouts on the shoulders mm -hmm. like off the shoulder tops yeah. like the, a the, lot of frills and ropes and zippers that don't need to be there the like head of the fashion department told sudden like you have to go out and get me the hottest fall turbans yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's just really strange to me because like um, I actually read a review where someone was like, oh, these girls would go broke if they uh, showed up to the office always wearing all this cool new stuff. And I was thinking, like, no, this looks really cheap and yeah. trashy. Like, this is someone who has no idea what their style is and is, like, like literally looking at the pages of a magazine mm. and buying the thing that they said to buy this month and then buying something completely different next yeah. month, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, whenever you think of like especially style you think of like effortless chic like the french kind of idea right people women especially i think are usually kind of reading about uh french women and their effortless chic and it's a lot of like black pants and white button downs and black turtlenecks it's a lot of like very cl it's only black or navy well that's that's that's, that's true like yeah. we we've been Apparently, you know yeah. but I'm just saying, like, there's, it's like a lot of classic pieces that you can rotate in your closet again and again that outlast trends, right? Oh, and that's and not that what they're doing. Always look, show. yeah, that always look classic, yeah. that always look good. What you can put them together in your sleep and they'll look good, right? Mm -hmm. That's like kind of the ideal, like, French woman's closet or whatever. And, like, I don't adhere to that. Like, I love mm -hmm. a lot of color and pieces that I'm excited about and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, this just looks like they're like schizophrenically buying like literally whatever is on the pages of their magazine mm -hmm. like yeah day does. to day like yeah it's that that shirt so we weird. described yeah and bad. when you talked about like the editor too it's like she just is i guess she's supposed to look really like fashionable Who, she's Lauren? obviously supposed no jacqueline Oh, she's obviously supposed to be like a miranda Priestley like devil wears prada type character like boss right mm -hmm. modeled on anna wintour but i mean she just looks like someone's like you know what she reminds me of is like you know when you watch like um maybe like on a morning show they'll they'll like have someone who's like a great teacher and they're like family and like she lost 30 pounds and then the family like nominated her to get a fashion makeover <laughs> on the morning show yeah you know and then they'll have like a stylist on there who's like okay but not great and they're also trying to show you how to do it on a budget so they just like go to the mall and like buy some shit and put together like mm -hmm. a cheaper version of an outfit that's like in a magazine mm -hmm. that's what this editor of a magazine that's supposed to be high fashion looks like on this tv show like it's so bad it's just like everybody looks so cheap i don't understand why they don't like fix it a little bit but anyway sorry i guess no, that's I just agree. my rant about the f <laughs> it just really bothers me i think yeah. it's like really awful okay so i uh just bought maybe the mark fisher book like the one 
people talk about that I recommend, which is capitalist realism. And uh, I just flipped through books. I, I flipped right to the end because I saw the word super nanny. So that's the chapter I started with. So I don't know. I'm going to try to pull some of that stuff out and try to relate it here. Maybe it's just me. Like whenever I'm reading something and I watch a TV show, I'm like immediately, oh, this totally applies. Yeah. So hopefully I do I'm right. too. But um, he has a quote here from Adam Curtis in like a, an interview Adam Curtis did a while back. And he's uh, he said TV now tells you how to tells you what to feel. It doesn't tell you what to think anymore. Um, from EastEnders to reality shows, you're on the emotional journey of people, and through the editing, it gently suggests to you what is the agreed form of feeling. He says here, um, it's television now. It's a system of guidance. It tells you who is having the bad feelings and who is having the good feelings. And the person who's having the bad feelings is redeemed through a hugs and kisses moment at the end. It's really a system not of moral guidance, but of emotional guidance. And I think that does pretty much sum up every like conflict in every episode. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a different part in here where Mark Fisher is talking about... He says the affects that predominate in late capitalism are fear and cynicism. These emotions do not inspire bold thinking. They breed conformity in the cult of minimal variation. The turning out of products which very closely resemble those that are already successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of does capture the conflict of every episode, pretty much. Especially mm-hmm. for Jane. Because every episode starts with her having a fear related to her job. Mm-hmm. And she has to overcome these bad feelings by having good feelings of, of confidence and pride in herself. And like getting over the fact that her mom died when she was a little kid. Also, it's not just about having confidence in herself it's about like feeling almost grateful that she has this job through which to work out her conflicts like there's this aspect of it that's like very like the good feelings are towards the work you know the good feelings are towards the fact that her editor pushed her to do something that she's not comfortable with which is mainly self-exploitation over and over again right like every time she has to like Right, she has to go stalk her ex boyfriend. She has to write about breast ha- cancer, which uh, yeah, have, not never from. having had an orgasm. Right. Then ultimately, she like has sex with a guy who writes about sex and has an orgasm, and like probably writes about that. Yeah. You know, it's all like the most personal things that a person could experience or have like negative feelings about are th- resolved. The good feelings come like through the process of doing her job true yeah and it's it's like that's so capitalist and like indoctrinating of this idea that like just work is what makes us fully human and it is the greatest and most liberating thing and like women going into the workplace is like what allows them to be equal to men right like definitely and when they when he says morality has been replaced by feeling yeah, absolutely. Absolutely because... in the show. Like like literally. Like that is their politics is <laughs> making women feel good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no questioning of like the morality of telling Jane to go stalk her ex boyfriend or write about her personal like sexual struggles with having an orgasm. And there's no thoughts at all about how oppressive the idea is that um women like 
for their jobs should be required to orgasm. Or that, or just, it's oppressive that we should expect every woman to orgasm mm-hmm. every time she has sex. Oh, Otherwise, yeah, yeah. she's not a good feminist. Absolutely. You know? I meant to say that when we were talking about sex earlier, when we brought up this storyline. It's like they want to have it both ways, right? When we were talking about, um, like, Amina with her headscarf. Like, there's the breast cancer scene, or episode. It starts by the other friends taking their shirt off in the park because... God damn it, like it's legal and we shouldn't be, you know, we should be allowed to do that. Men can take their shirts off too. Yeah. Which is absolutely correct and true. Yeah. But Jane doesn't want to. Yeah. Which is also fine. Yeah. But at the end of the episode, her emotional journey is symbolized by her changing her mind and taking her shirt off, right? Yeah. And it's the same with the orgasm episode. She hasn't had an orgasm and okay, like that's fine. Like maybe you should try actually, but like... (laughs) But then, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying women shouldn't try to have orgasms, but... But then she does have one, yeah, and she says it's, like, completely changed her life, and now she's succeeding at her career because she had an orgasm, which is, like, uh, so sex-positive that it's, you Oppressive. know... Yeah. 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 Like, they're modeling the good feelings, which has to be this, you know, to sound like a conservative, sexual libertinism. Yeah. And if you don't feel good about that then you're having the bad feelings and your storyline cannot be resolved until you feel like free enough to to be naked and have sex yeah 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 which is i don't know like maybe i agree with that even but that's not necessarily feminist yeah well for one thing because it otherizes women who don't have who are not able to have that experience for whatever reason right like it it's very like normative you know there are women who are not able to orgasm because of physical problems there are women who are not able to orgasm because of past sexual trauma like yeah you know and you're saying to those women like well you're not really Mm self-actualized you're not fully woman you're not fully human until you yeah achieve this rite of passage for what's worse too is the like even if you're not traumatized, it can be... Yeah, like, there are lots of reasons why women don't. Well, you're talking about the most intimate way you can be with another person yeah. in a society where we're not intimate with each, with each other at all, totally. really. So it's like, it's really hard no matter what for most for most or a lot of people, yeah. whether you have trauma or not. Yeah. Um, but she just, in a single night, is like, okay, I'm going to have an orgasm. I had one. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> but how did she have an orgasm? By deciding to go out on a date with this guy that she keeps going back and forth on whether he's a misogynist or not. Yeah, he also, like, is... It's, he kind of neg her and stuff. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So he ba- she basically goes out with, like, a pickup artist <laughs> who, like, is maybe a nice pickup artist, but she can't decide because she keeps changing her mind yeah. whether he's a misogynist or not, which is exactly like a Federalist article that I read where this woman was arguing, like, women just need a man who's, like, willing to take charge to be sexually satisfied and fulfilled in their lives and she's like i have two friends one who married a guy who you know they were like really their best of friends they got along really well he was very caring and considerate what and a always dumb asked bitch. her <laughs> exactly yeah he always asked her what she wanted and now i got to tell you like they're not sexually happy they're frustrated in their marriage oh they might get divorced but i have this other friend who met a guy who like can be mean to her and can be misogynistic maybe and who uh, uh yeah no but their sex is great <laughs> they've been married for a long time and it's going really well and he is improving 
<laughs> oh my god, that's awful. Yeah. Just the idea that you'd be like, listen, he can be misogynistic, but the sex is great. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. Who wants to fuck a misogynist? Well, in these like warped conservatives' minds, that's, that's like what is is sexy to them is uh, a man, you know, telling her telling her what to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Which can be sexy to like, in a, in a liberal point of view too, because like you go through your life with so much anxiety about what to do and who you are, which is another thing that this show can't deal with at all yeah so well let me start by saying we i want to talk about how jacqueline the boss cannot function as a good mentor yeah okay and it's because she like like adam curtis was saying in that quote about tv shows her whole focus is on these these kids having the good feelings instead of the bad feelings Right. right so setting aside the fact that it's like absolutely absurd that the like editor at large of this or whatever she is of this you know mm-hmm. giant magazine global brand yeah corporation. would have time to like help her most junior writer with just like her pitches let alone you know her personal life and yeah working through you know using the process of writing for the magazine as a way through to work through her bad feelings to get to the good feelings like setting all of the aside how silly that is because mm-hmm. it is and it's really distracting because Jacqueline only seems to ever talk to like Jane like we never even seem to no, no. like really see her with other writers or she'll scold Kat yeah occasionally but she also bailed her out of jail personally yeah she doesn't really scold her actually no. now I think about it that's part of her character is that she she just doesn't she doesn't scold she's like um an only nurturing figure yeah and i think too we need to talk about how there are no characters in this show that ever really do the wrong thing well i was reading a review of this and it was like one of the only ones i read that was slightly critical of this show which Mm -hmm. is like crazy um and it said like crazy to be critical of this show no okay. <laughs> like it has like a hundred on rotten tomatoes oh like, my god it's like very popular every tv show though has at least a 95 on rotten tomatoes well this one's doing great um but uh whatever review it was i forget who wrote it now um said that basically one of the i don't think maybe they didn't even really see it as a problem of the show but i thought it was a good critique of the show was that everyone is kind at their core, right? Yeah. Like, even Lauren, like, Sutton's boss, who doesn't really, like, promote her and is constantly telling her to get green juices or whatever, seems she's, sort of bitchy, Yeah, is kind once you get to know her, right? right? Like, she it's still like, comes through for Sutton and, like, gives her, like, a good recommendation when Sutton She's more her. like if Anna Wintour had a heart of gold. Yeah, like, everyone is ultimately kind on this show. No one, like, you think, like, uh, Sutton is having, like, a... Um, uh, an affair with one of the board members who's like an older guy who and never you, takes advantage in that's any what way. I was gonna say you would think like maybe you know he's taking advantage or maybe she's taking advantage of him and his power mm. position whatever right uh, and no it, they have like an extremely like positive egalitarian relationship where he takes like a private car to drop off like I don't know pretzels for her or whatever when she's like working late at night and shit like it's just everyone is very kind yeah everyone always does the right thing yeah so yeah yeah and I think I mentioned the quote where uh, Mark Fisher says morality has been replaced by feeling Mm -hmm. um because that is well I guess I already said that's like the focus of Jacqueline like just making sure these kids have the good feelings 
And it goes back to fashion too. Like, there's no focus in this show about what you should want and why.、Mm. You notice that? It's only about、um, how to be confident, how to be happy, how to have good friendship, how to get over your fears about doing well in your job. It's not about like, you know, Sutton makes this huge leap of faith to be like a fashion. Um, she, to join the fashion department. Yeah. And they don't really make a convincing case for why、yeah. she feels compelled to do that. Well, it's just that it'll give her good feelings. Yeah. That's like what she wants. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways, like you kind of hit the nail on the head with that in terms of why I find this show so irritating is because everything is just about feeling good. You yeah. Know? And like if you want it to be a show about like young women navigating the workplace. Things will not always feel good or be good or right. And you're not also going to like forever work for the same company with your best friends, you know? <laughs> like, and this show just seems to have no concept of that. Like, there was no clear reason to me why. Like, there was a point at which Sutton like got the、um, job offer, but she wasn't getting offered enough money or whatever. And then meanwhile, her assistant's job was like being replaced by like, The position she'd previously held was being replaced essentially, right, by some other girl. Or,、mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. And、um, there was no sense, like, in that moment that, like, maybe Sutton would be better off not working for this magazine, even if, like, what she ultimately does want to do is fashion. Like, there's, there's no sense、um, that, you know, she could become a blogger or. YouTuber, or I think I know like lookbook isn't really a thing anymore, but I'm just saying, like, there are ways in which people have made careers and, like, in fact, companies, fashion companies, out of not being involved in any way with traditional fashion magazines, right? It's also weird because, like, this is all based on Cosmo, right? Like, since that's what the producer used to be, like, the editor at Cosmo. Oh, okay. And, um, Cosmo is like not known for fashion. I mean,、yeah. I'm sure they have fashion tips like everybody else, but I remember it because my friends and I would, after like going to see a movie, go to Barnes and Noble, get like, I don't know, whatever dessert drink we were into at the time. And then we'd like sit in like the Civil War history section somewhere like no one was going to walk by. And、mm-hmm. we'd read like the. Embarrassing sex stories in the back of Cosmo out loud to each other and laugh and giggle, right? And that's, a, or like the 60 tips for having the best sex of your life or whatever, you know?、Mm-hmm. And we, we thought it was funny because we were like pretty much children. But I mean, that's what, but even we knew that, co- like, we were reading it back there because we knew none of us, like, our moms would ever let us buy Cosmo or have a Cosmo, right? Because it it's just about sex and sex tips, right? Like, yeah. Which, you know, most parents aren't down to like, let their 14 year old girls read about, right? So that's why we were specifically reading it in like, the back of a Barnes and Noble to each other. And I just find it so funny that, oh, one of them wants to be a serious writer, but she wasn't aware that she was going to have to talk about like, her、yeah. sexual history. She wants to be Nora Ephron, but she like, doesn't want to talk about herself. Yeah. The other one wants to be in fashion. And the best way to do that is by being in the fashion department at Cosmo, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't really make sense. Even Kat, who I guess basically wants to be more political, like, oh, it's she's hard to know what she wants. She's a social media editor at Cosmo. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. To me, that seems like she, her main job would actually just be like coordinating campaigns between Cosmo and various advertisers across social media platforms. Like that doesn't have a lot to do with like, I, I don't know, the things that they have her doing, like trying to help free a Muslim uh, artist who's going to be jailed because she had like dildos in her yeah. suitcase when she traveled to the Middle East. You know, again in quotes the Middle East because we don't know there's no country there that's mentioned. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that that to me is I don't know really mind boggling about this show, um, and I guess that really irritates me. But I'm ignoring the fact that basically the whole purpose of this show is to give you the good feelings. Because ultimately, yeah. the good feelings will lead you to feel good about buying shit from the advertisers. Sure. <laughs> Part of the reason I bring that up is because I feel like what they're really missing is a narrative of how to know who you are or what to want. Yeah. Um, to get, there isn't one no, at all. To get back to this book a bit... Um, it's funny because they talk about finding themselves a lot, but there really isn't. Yeah. So the point of this chapter in the Mark Fisher book is actually to talk about like how we've moved out of a paternalistic society. So we used to live in a society where you were told what to be, what to want, what to do, what your role was, what the rules were. And now that we don't live in that world, it's not like everything's automatically better. Right? Yeah. So like that's why he starts this um, chapter with Super Nanny, because the whole point of Super Nanny is like parents these days don't want to tell their kids no, right? So the, the parents of this episode are always the villain, basically. Mm-hmm. And they need this, you know, strict figure to come in and, and lay down the law for the kids. Tell them how to... But also tell, tell the parents how to be parents. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's a good point. Because the parents are concerned with only making sure their kids have good feelings. Yeah. But that's true. The parents are only concerned with having good feelings, too. And it's like a bad feeling to to be like oppressive towards your children yeah yeah but also when we had that more paternalistic society like you know they they didn't just play on tv what they assumed people wanted they played what they thought people should see right Mm -hmm. like they um like the jazz ambassadors you know Mm -hmm. like america sent jazz across the world Mm -hmm. it's not because they thought like they wanted to spread american culture right yeah but they didn't think like oh, people love jazz, they thought, we, we will instill a love of jazz mm. by sending the jazz ambassadors out there and then people will love America. They didn't just, you know, try to meet people where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. But now we see that as, like, elitist and oppressive to be telling other people what they should want. Yeah. And that's really, like, the the present condition that we live in that this show fails to speak to. Because these characters just come in knowing... I want to be Nora Ephron. I want to be um, vaguely associated with fashion in Sutton's case. Yeah. Or a cat, just a, it Social seems like... Social media maven, whatever. They, yeah. yeah, they don't really touch at all on what drives her to do what she does, except but they the way that, that she is. But they announce that she's confident. Yeah, yeah. If for her, it's all about knowing what she is. Yeah. Um, Which is why it's important that she goes on to like question her sexuality. Right? True, yeah. Yeah. And I actually think that this show, you know, rereading this chapter does do an okay job on some counts of this. Like, um, like I was saying to you that Jacqueline ultimately fails because she can't really be a mentor 
because she doesn't, first of all, have any characterization. Yeah, she just she doesn't say much in general. I yeah. mean, no. When she's like guiding them or mentoring them or whatever, she never says like. Listen, this one time I did blah blah blah, and that led me to realize that I should da 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 or whatever. Totally. You know? She she only tries to tell them what is right. Yeah. Like, not not well. What's right for them? Exactly. Specifically. Yeah. That's why I'm obsessed with this retelling of the Adam and Eve story. Like, did God tell Adam and Eve not to do it because that's His order to them, or did He tell them not to do it because it's bad for them and it's un- it's unreasonable for them to eat the apple because it it will be bad for them and they should know that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a huge difference. Is there, like, someone telling you what to do because they know best? Or are they telling you what to do to teach you what is best so you can know for yourself what is best, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, really, her role is, like... And, and to be fair, she does kind of, like, push them out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah. So she's not just obsessed with making sure they have good feelings, but she kind of is. Yeah, Because mostly. she wants them to confront their bad feelings so yeah. that they can have good feelings. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't really tell them what to want because this show doesn't deal at all with what you should want. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's true of a lot of TV, like he says. Like, um, there's so many shows where that's basically the ultimate story arc is just like you have to face your fears head on and you'll come out stronger like i mean that that's like every tv show i feel like yeah like like we were saying with um jane ultimately her conflict is she has fear and she has insecurities and the most feminist thing that you can do is be confident yeah you know and Mm -hmm. and to work hard yeah and you'll overcome the oh to um persist she persisted right that's the most feminist thing not to take your frustrated desires and turn them out against the world around you yeah but but to keep them inside in a more american way yeah and reform yourself and to overcome yeah to use them to reform yourself and to overcome them yeah, yeah. i'm talking with my hand a little bit and moving the mic around so that's i'm gonna okay. try to stop doing that but um so mark fisher like he's not arguing we need to go back to a patriarchal society right he just makes the point that in that society like the people who did have you know some clout or power um like actually were able to advance freedom in a way that people don't now so like you know like we said with the jazz ambassadors or hey we're gonna play classical music on tv because everybody should be exposed to classical music or whatever Mm -hmm. or the bbc radiophonic workshop is something he mentioned specifically so that's like in the 60s um like that's who made the doctor who sounds and stuff but they also put out albums of this like super experimental music that was like you know we have this new sound technology so let's give it to some artists and see what they can do with it and we'll give them this public funding and we'll encourage people to buy it yeah. right but you try to watch pbs now and it's like pointless boring. Like, yeah it's not and it's boring because they're trying to meet people where they're at really yeah like even frontline is just getting worse and worse yeah yeah so so mark fisher isn't saying we should go back to that society of paternalism so but he's like asking here he says he wants to know like what a marxist super nanny would be like and he says that um you know the problem is that people don't always know what they want and that's not only because they're not aware of their desire right Mm -hmm. um it's because like well, it's because desire isn't just like this 
linear thing that yeah. you can easily yeah and it depends so much on like cultural factors exterior totally. factors you know what other people expect for you how you relate to other people how yeah. you see yourself through other people but um and he says the most powerful forms of desire are precisely cravings for the strange the unexpected the weird um and so he argues that the marxist super nanny would not only lay down limitations would not only act in our own interests when we're incapable of recognizing them the way that um, Jacqueline does but also would be prepared to take this kind of risk to wager on the strange and our appetite for it um, so that would be like a radically different show right yeah but um, can you elaborate it, on that a little bit more well I think it kind of gets a little bit close because uh, rereading this chapter I, I wanted to read this chapter so I could have some ammo to attack this show with mm -hmm. but I also came away with thinking that it does okay on some counts like Jacqueline seemed to think it was very important that Jane have an orgasm you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that is her not only recognizing Jane's hidden desire but I mean maybe it stops at that but also it's like it's weird your boss entering yeah. into your life and saying you should have an orgasm like that goes beyond paternalism and maternalism because like she's she's urging her to go into like this uncomfortable and weird situation mm -hmm. and write about it like it's problematic but she's also i don't know she's like helping jane figure out what to want not just disclosing a want that she's not aware of but maybe she is i don't know well i think in this case i mean I, that's an okay example although i think like in this case jane probably has enough cues from society telling her that she should want to orgasm that she doesn't really need true this I from mean, the i think this figure. the best example that would represent something like this is if i don't know instead of hanging out and jacqueline just like very you know patiently and maternally listening to their problems so they could you know figure it out for themselves but like share something about herself like i don't know when i left college i hitchhiked across the south and got really into bluegrass Mm -hmm. and uh you know became straight edge for a while and i i got really into painting murals in mexico you know okay just to give like an example of something outside of the bounds of what you would imagine for yourself oh, okay yeah so that then maybe sutton could be like you know i don't want to work in accounting i don't know why i want to work in fashion maybe that's not what i want yeah maybe it's okay to like Experiment, Or maybe if I want to do this creative work, the best path to it isn't this linear careerist path, but, you know, something that it will, like, allow me to, like, you know, find a multitude of life experiences and sources of inspiration that ultimately lead me to more enriching, fulfilling art you know fulfilling creativity that, you know, that, that yeah. is my fa my art, my fashion, like, mm, yeah. you know something like that right yeah. that would be like way more interesting than just yeah than the fact that it's like well Sutton you have to advance in your career which means like a boardroom exec or someone who wants to be a boardroom executive just step by step moving up the career know, ladder yeah that's but how it's she like seems if you want to be in fa fashion as a creative person I know. that seems totally to be how she envisions her fashion career to proceed like yeah. in the future like they the guy asks her to make like a, a mood board yeah and she has this flash of inspiration where she's gonna cut up all this stuff from her like childhood and put it on there and he's gonna see her passion but like all you're showing him is that 
first of all, it was stupid. Yeah, it, <laughs> it just looked, looked so awful. Stupid. Yeah. Um, it looked so stupid that they did their best to just show you a quick flash of it and yeah. then cut away. Yeah. But we paused it so we could like, <laughs> read everything we could see. But, like, she's not showing any perspective on fashion. She's not showing any, like, engagement with fashion yeah, as a medium of art. Yeah, that was the weirdest part to me was that she was like, this is my past. Like, she cut, cut up, like... I don't know, some, oh, like a U2 t-shirt she'd bedazzled yeah. herself and like so a pocket from her old pair of jeans and some shit like that. But, um... She cut out she didn't stuff show, like the word fashion. Yeah, but I just thought it was surprising that her mood board was extremely backward looking mm-hmm. when you would expect that what she'd be trying to show is like a clear point of view or style or some edgy new perspective that... Yeah. That she's going to bring as a young fashion girl to the table or whatever, you know, yeah. something. But it was just like, here's fashion I did in the past when I was a child. Because, I mean, she's not yeah. that old anyway. Totally. And most of her fashion experience is like garbage. Mm-hmm. So totally. she seems to want, and this is something I feel like I have personal experience with, like, she seems to want to be in fashion because she wants to see herself a certain way mm. like and it took me you know because i make stupid noise music and write stuff it took and at first i sure that when i was like 19 i was doing that because i wanted to be a certain type of person or i thought that's what i would enjoy being mm-hmm. that type of person but luckily what i latched onto were mediums that i actually enjoyed the medium Mm-hmm. So as I graduated college and it became harder to like keep going and doing those things, I realized that if I that what really kept me doing them was just being interested in the medium and mm-hmm. not looking at not wanting to like be a certain person. Yeah. But just to enjoy the act of doing it. Right. But Sutton doesn't have that at all. She just has this careerism. Yeah. Yeah. So like she hasn't been she has no idea what to want. Yeah. And, and society isn't telling her what to want. Well, it is, but it's telling her what thing. you should want is, like, a corner office and, like, a six-figure salary or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. which isn't conducive with being a creative, no, you know, fashion designer or stylist or whatever, curator of whatever it is she wants to do. Like, yeah. none of those things have, like, a linear career path, right? Like, you know, even people who have built companies like where they're also like the ceo of that company did not their all of their work was not in a a, you know a a skyrise right yeah high rise high rise yeah skyscraper skyscraper that's the word i'm high scraper (laughs) rise of scraper sky you know like people do become like they do start out on lookbook and then build Mm -hmm. fashion companies or um, work as, like, stylists for celebrities and then ultimately get on a reality TV show and then build a brand and a company off of that. You know, I mean, there's really, like, no right way because it is a creative field. It's not like you need a degree from Columbia in order to succeed. Like, And also people find really specific niche things to do. Like, it's another sign that... Sutton's passion is so ambiguous as to be completely undefined that there's no specificity to it. She just wants to be in fashion. Like, she might, maybe she would discover, oh, what I really like is hats. I want to design hats. Yeah, or Or it's literally like 
I'm a feminist. I'm political. I'm in fashion. Yeah. There's no point of view. There's nothing more specific, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what, yeah, that's what the show's, like, biggest and problem is. There's nothing directed outward either. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Fisher doesn't explicitly say that's what he's imagining in his, like, Marxist super nanny construction. But I feel like that's that would have to be a necessary component of, you know, some sort of authority figure or society that represents an authority figure that somehow teaches you what to want and and what you should want to be like it should have a more communal focus because that's what we're missing so much in our society yeah and and what we have right now um it's incredibly individualistic yeah that's why he was talking about like you know capitalism uses this language of health Mm -hmm. but what it means is like you know 10 steps to losing five pounds or yeah, yeah how to look good in this dress or yeah, there's how you no should decorate sense your house. Of like, you know, we should really get rid of fast food like and all yeah. the fucking advertising that they're allowed to do that totally. leads people to that takes advantage of people that like hijacks their brains that uses mm-hmm. psychology against them to make them stop at that McDonald's or whatever when mm. they know it's a bad decision for their health right totally. like because it's not the people who need to lose 10 pounds who have trouble with that right that's like a real um it's endemic and an epidemic in our society yeah. right like it's a real problem and uh we'll never be unless we address it like as a community you know, a community as a nation, whatever, together communally, we'll never be able to like overcome problems like obesity because it's not an individual's moral failings that lead them to become obese, right? Like, right. But um, I wanted to mention the second half of Adam Curtis's quote here. Um, I guess this was around the time he was coming out with Century of the Self mm-hmm. um, because he's talking about in his words here, the empire of the self. And he says that in the empire of the self, everyone feels the same without ever escaping a condition of like solipsism ultimately. So he says what people suffer from is being trapped within themselves in a world of, I wish I could do an Adam Curtis voice. (laughs) I can hear it in my head. (laughs) Yeah, me too. In a world of individualism, everyone is trapped within their own feelings, trapped within their own imaginations. Our job as public service broadcasters is to take people beyond the limits of their own self. And until we do that, we will carry on declining. Um, So just to stop there real quick, I feel like that's what the ideology of Scarlet Magazine is completely lacking. Mm. It's a feminism focused completely on the self. Yeah. Either through the characters that work there. Yeah, it's self-feminism, they specifically say. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Yeah, It's self-feminism, yeah. Yeah. So that that was the main reason I wanted to read this, but... I don't know. The rest of this is interesting, too. He says that the BBC should realize that. I have an idealistic view, but if the BBC could do that, take people on their own selves, it will renew itself, the BBC, he means, in a way that jumps over the competition. The competition is obsessed by serving other people in their little selves. And in a way, actually, Murdoch, for all his power, is trapped by the self. That's his job, to feed the self. Mm. Yeah. He says in the BBC, it's the next step forward. It doesn't mean we go back to the 1950s and tell people how to dress. What we do is say, we can free you from yourself, and people would love it. But how? I don't understand. Well, I don't know. The reason I want to mention that is because Scarlet Magazine and Cosmo Magazine in the real world, they do not offer you like no. freedom from the self. They offer you ways to improve yourself, to self-actualize. 
you know. I mean, even ostensibly to dress better and fem- have better sex. You know, uh, feminist magazines like Bitch and stuff. They essentially, you know, instead of telling you how to like look better in your clothes or whatever, what they offer you is like the, um, like I don't know, not in all cases, but like at least like the latest I've seen from, especially like Bitch or something like that. It's like how to be better at being woke like mm-hmm. but just like for yourself like essentially right so, so that, you can like, have the right opinions yeah exactly yes so you can have the right feelings so the right opinions instead of like telling you how right to clothes. have a better body they're telling you how to have a better yeah like political opinion or just opinion whatever yeah but it's not yeah it's not freeing you from yourself it's certainly not you know asking you to interrogate like why it's important to you to have these right opinions or what that means for mm-hmm. you and how you, you know, exist in society or anything yeah. like that. That's why I'm curious how he imagines that the BBC could actually like take on that project. I'm not sure. Mark Fisher kind of says he's just thinking through this problem now and he only offers a few, you know, hints at suggestions like mm. that Marxist, what would a Marxist super nanny look like? Yeah. And Adam Curtis, he, I mean, this is just an excerpt. It doesn't really say, mm-hmm. but I guess, a big part of the implied solution is kind of you know maybe like a soft elitism like remember when we started listening to the slate culture podcast right Mm -hmm. we wanted to learn something we wanted to know about like movies we didn't know about we wanted to know about music and art we didn't know about and you know we got that i wanted to hear about like plays actually because you never hear about plays in this society we got that but what we learned about was like dr luke yeah you know and Stuff, yeah, pop culture stuff that everybody else knew, but we didn't know because we didn't care. Because we didn't care about Katy Perry. Yeah. Yeah, But they just assume like, oh, this is culture, right? Yeah. It's that poptimism. It's like, this is what people like, therefore it is good. Yeah. And I as an individual, you know, need, all I need to do is understand why it's good. Mm -hmm. And like the highest critical, you know, intellectual thing I can do is lay bare why it is good and disclose that to other people. Yeah. Instead of like discerning or, or you know it's elitist or oppressive of me to tell these people like Katy perry sucks yeah when she does it's just a fact yeah but like that's why i'm interested in that idea of like well how do you like free like how do you have like a marxist super nanny or whatever tell you what you should want that frees you from the societal pressures and allows you to actually Mm. like i don't know i guess find out what you want I mean, you know? in this chapter, he says that, you know, what people normally desire is strange or weird. And that's an idea that's like so far out of the bounds of even really possibility that maybe that's the kind of thing a Marxist super nanny in his construction would suggest is like your true desire is really yeah. like a completely different organization of yeah. society. No, I think that's right. But I, I think that's, you know, roughly the answer what to desire if Maybe if it's not readily apparent, then it's a little bit unthinkable. And what you do have yeah. to do is look outside of the bounds of what's normally acceptable. Yeah, and, that and, sounds about right and interesting. Yeah. And maybe that's why the present, you know, systems of control are so constricting of our freedom yeah. in a way that paternalism wasn't Yeah, always. because it makes us feel like we should feel free. And if we don't, mm-hmm. we're like weirdos, basically. Or yeah. like, but if you had paternalism, you can like exactly see where what's oppressing you yeah you know and there's a you huge, can identify it there's a huge psychic weight in our society of having 
to do and be all the right things yeah. all the time. Yeah. Which is the opening of every episode of this show so far. Yeah. But then they don't resolve it by getting rid of that problem, right? It's like um, crises in capitalism. It's just, you know, there will always be another crisis. Yeah. Yeah. And while this crisis, um, I ended up, you know, getting this other job. Yeah. But next time there's going to be another crisis and I'm going to have to deal with it again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good good analysis. Also, speaking of, like, um, have you noticed, like, that there is, like, a weird, slightly, like, magical Negro character? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's always just sort of there to, like, you know, encourage Sutton when she is going to ask for that promotion or, like, tell Jane that you got this, you can write about your orgasm even if you're scared or whatever right yeah he's always just kind of there to like push them along towards the good feelings well i wrote a review that said that originally this um tv show was meant for nbc and it was actually going to be centered around that guy oh really it was going to be like he was a financial reporter who's like demoted to a woman's magazine for i don't know what reason (laughs) well that sounds awful well i'm just saying like see how empty the politics of this show are mm. they were just able to then like they're like oh nbc oh, yeah. isn't gonna do it okay we'll just retool this show for freeform and now it's a uh, positive for girls show and our whole thing is we're totally pro-women but like Man. it's so empty you know like i was um listening to this podcast called champagne sharks mm-hmm. and he was talking about um it's a good one yeah he he had a really good episode called like black girl magic um, but he talked where you know he talked a lot about how like especially like the magical Negro trope obviously it's like very otherizing because it's essentially like saying they're not human right like yeah uh, among other things um, but one of the things that he pointed out was um, like Beyonce's feminism and like I mean I love Beyonce like every mm-hmm. other person in this world but uh, how like you know she had that song formation and during like the super bowl halftime show everyone was like oh this is so political this is so powerful this is so feminist because they were all dressed like oh, black panthers yeah, yeah, yeah. and like people were threatened by it like i think on afr they were talking oh, yeah. about how inappropriate For it was days. yeah yeah but then during like hillary clinton like towards the end of hillary clinton's run she did a fundraiser for her in, I don't know, New York or wherever. And she basically had her dancers and herself put on pantsuits and they did the song with pantsuits in support yeah. of Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And it's like, that's how empty the politics are in, in feminism that's commodifiable like that. that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it can just be retooled and repurposed for whatever, like, will make money. Whatever is, mm-hmm. you know, the driving profit motive basically like yeah and that's what's i think ultimately really wrong with Mm -hmm. this type of commercial feminism that you know is being at the moment it seems like pushed it out from everywhere whether it's from artists like beyonce and taylor swift or from tv shows like this or you know it just seems to be like really pervasive in pop culture right now and i just think it's so insidious and like pernicious yeah Drop it. Hey, 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 you're gonna tear it. That's Lubitsa fighting with the dog. Over my socks. She loves these socks. She licks them when they're on my feet. Yeah, okay. Well, Uncle's coming to say hi. All the dogs are moving. Do we have anything else to say about this show? This discussion is honestly already longer than I expected it to be. 
Yeah. I feel like I'm still thinking about it too, unfortunately, but I don't have anything else to say, maybe. Hopefully it does. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to sit down with a glass of rosé and watch this show, that's fine. I think it's, like, not the worst show in the world, but I am just really bothered by the marketing of it as feminist, I guess, and that's why we had to talk about it. Oh, my God. Drop it. I mean, closing. Do you think we can get a closing that doesn't involve vocal? Maybe. You know that slogan, my feminism will be intersectional or it will be bullshit? Mm -hmm. Has anybody made, said online, my feminism will be anti capitalist or it will be bullshit? No, but they should. I think I made it up. I think I'm the first one to think and say that. I think that's about right. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll wrap it up there. Because Oko will not let us record anymore Aww, anyway. She's, she's cute. Like right under the microphone. Too bad this isn't a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, what is she doing? Probably hear her. She's just licking my leg. Well, that's another podcast. Oko's pretty feminist. She's not even licking. She's just pressing her tongue against my leg. All right. Stop this before she breaks it somehow. Okay. Bye. Bye. Got a big, big mouth.